Hey girl, hey, my name is Randa Caraba, host of the Powerful Women Podcast, here to bring you real life stories and interviews that are gonna inspire you to become your most confident self. As the owner of Power Fit, I actually go so much deeper than fitness, both in life and in this podcast. So get ready to talk self-development, mindset, building a career and life you're completely obsessed with and prepare to level up to turn those dreams into realities. We're gonna cover hardships, failures, and what it truly takes to become a powerful woman of God. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Powerful Women Podcast. I'm so excited today because I've got one powerful woman with us, Miss Tana McCoy. She Hi. Is- Hello. <laughs> so Tana, if you don't already follow her on Instagram, she is the owner of Hidden Gym. She has 10 plus years of professional experience in terms of fitness. She's a former IFBB bikini pro. She's been to the Olymp- Olympia five times, and she is a caged athlete. So Help me welcome Miss Tana to the podcast. Hi, I'm I'm jumping the gun. I'm so excited. I'm interrupting your beautiful entrance here. <laughs> my gosh, listen, when I listen back to my podcast, I am the worst of it because I get so excited about the conversation that I'm like, oh gosh, I interrupted. Ah. Oh, um, girl, yes, me too. I'm a chatty Kathy. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me and um, welcoming me. I'm really excited to um, get down into the nitty gritty of what we're going to talk about today. I am so excited as well. So first off, Tana, just in case there are listeners who don't already follow you on Instagram or this is their first time getting to even hear of you or know of you, tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about you in terms of like your backstory. Yeah, so um, I'm just a little old country girl from Waco, Texas, um, where I was born and raised. Um, I had big aspirations and dreams of becoming a model or actress um, I had <laughs> dreams of walking the runway of uh, high fashion, so I followed my dreams and moved to the big old city of Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh. Um, so the week I graduated high school, I moved to Dallas um, to go to school and just get out on my own and pursue my dreams. Um, and so I... Um, Fast forwarding, because it's kind of a long story, I ended up uh, falling into the fitness world um, and competing, whereas uh, how I met my husband now, who was then my trainer, and then um, I became a bikini pro, um, and then amongst all of that, falling in love with my trainer, he was also a gym owner, so I married into becoming a gym owner, (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, I've always been an athlete my entire life. Um, I did beauty pageants growing up. So performing has always been a part of my life. Um, And it's something that I really loved and was passionate about. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do it professionally on the fitness fitness stage, um, which also uh, made me a fantastic posing coach and a gym owner to help other people reach their fitness goals. And um, now I'm retired and as a a professional fitness competitor, and I am just um, trying to help women uh, be their most confident self. So that's me in a nutshell. I I think so. (laughs) Yes, you have a wonderful story. And actually, so the way that I got connected with you is our first ever Dallas meetup for Power Fit was at Hidden Gym because our empowerment coach, Tracy Jones, worked, worked out there. 
Yep. And your husband was so wonderful and supportive and helpful to us. And you could tell that he was married to someone like you because he took all of us women and he just like knew how to handle us very well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We've trained him well on that part too. So he was, he was my trainer, but I was also his trainer and he had no idea. (laughs) Love to hear that. So tell me what does, when you say you're retired, I feel like that's kind of like a key word in today's Mm. world because especially you're, you're young. So to hear Mm. that you're retired, I know that means on the fitness professional side, as far as like what you did competing wise, but can you elaborate a little bit more into this so-called retirement? What, how did you know you were ready? What does the other side look like? Something like that. Well, Randa, to be uh, 100 with you, this is actually the first time that I'm actually using that word, retired, um, publicly. Yeah, I haven't officially said those words because it's like, never say never. Um, But unfortunately, so for me, I had a very long career in the fitness competitive world. Um, My first show ever was in 2010. And my career took off um, just extremely fast. I turned pro within nine months and I was already qualified for the Olympia, which is the Super Bowl of our sport, um, by my second pro show. And from there, I had won um, four uh, pro shows. I'd been to the Olympia five times. Top eight finish was my best. So top eight in the world. And then I'd been to the Arnold um, and invited to compete there two times and had all sorts of amazing um, trips. I got to compete all around the world. Um, I got magazine covers, magazine spreads, endorsements. Um, It was just a catapult for my career in the fitness modeling world. Um, But I did that for, you know, over a decade. And unfortunately for me, um, in 2018, um, I was competing um, at the Olympia. And after the Olympia, I was going to go into an off-season, take a little break. Um, because if you are not familiar with the um, bodybuilding world, fitness competitor world, it is extremely extreme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, really hard on the body and honestly on the mind. Um, so you have to, like, there's, there's no choice. You have to go into an off season where you don't compete because it's physically impossible for the body to stay that to that peak and immense condition and leanness. Um, and especially for a female. Mm -hmm. So I was going into my off season and then, um, I ended up, uh, having a lot, a lot of health issues. Um, and then those health issues, um, turned into, which that kind of just, I didn't know if we were going to get into, into this topic today or not, but, um, long story short, I had breast implants. Mm -hmm. Um, we couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, so I made the executive decision. I removed my, uh, breast implants and was, you know, later diagnosed with uh, BII, breast implant illness. It's not a medical diagnosis, but it's what they're calling it nowadays. Mm -hmm. And um, so four years later, which I'm at right now today is exactly four years. um, It was a lot of work 
and cleaning up internally and a lot of mental health clarity that I needed to do. And I kind of battled back and forth. Should I get back on stage? Should I not? Should I? And I finally, you know, after four years of battling with my body and trying to figure out what the heck was going on with it, I just said, you know what, it's time for me to hang up those heels as much as I didn't want to and wasn't quite ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I'm now retired. <laughs> I think I, I have my, my good long run. Um, and Over a decade. I, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's, um, that's initially why I retired um, was because my body just kind of said no. And I knew, um, you know, putting my, my body and my mind and my physique um, through something so extreme was not going to be good for it with everything that it had already gone through and everything that it takes to get to stage ready. It just, um, it, it wasn't, uh, worth it to me, you know, as much as I love to perform and be on stage, it wasn't worth my health, um, to try to get back up on stage. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at on the, uh, retirement phase. And I applaud you on that. I actually believe the reason why I didn't meet you when we had the meetup is, um, I mean, your husband yep. didn't say anything, but Tracy had kind of told me in, um, like where she just told me no one else knew or talked about it, but she had told me about you. And I think you were sharing about it on social media is why you know mm -hmm. she was comfortable to share. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's yep. why you weren't at our meetup because maybe you were, um, recovering from the surgery. Yep. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I was super sad. I couldn't be there, but, um, I was so, so sick. Um, at that point. And I can't, that, that, uh, that kind of time period is very uh, blurry for me because uh -huh. when you're in this like kind of um, essentially like life or death feeling um, or situation, it just, there's like a lot of um, mental blurriness that kind of goes on because you're just in a, a fight or flight survival mode. Gosh, um, I could only imagine the fog over you because I know- yeah just talking to anyone who is a professional on any level, um, yeah. hearing the word retirement, no matter what oh, yeah. age it comes, which a lot of like professionals, you know, are or like extreme sports do retire younger. But I also know that that comes with such a like acceptance and almost stepping into like a new identity of you. So I know that cannot be easy for all that to happen at that season, especially when it's like in terms of your health. Yeah, no, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, I think that that was, you know, um, one of the hardest things with just kind of coming to terms of, okay, look, like it's just time to hang up the heels and we're going to be done with that chapter was that it was just so unexpected, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't get to choose like when your health or your body just says no, right. <laughs> unfortunately. And so it would have been different if I would have, you know, said I'm not going to do that anymore on my own terms right. but God and my body and whatever else was like look this is you have to stop this now um this is no longer going to be your journey I mean it's a little bit of a culture shock you're like wait a minute I didn't prepare for this and um I'm the one that's in control of my life what do you mean I'm going to stop this I wasn't ready um it, it's it's a little bit weird and you kind of just float around going like all right I'm I'm working on my health I don't really know what the heck is going on there 
And now I'm in this new transition of my life of like, okay, now what? I didn't have anything prepared on what I was going to do next. You know, it just kind of, you fell into it and you just got to crawl around and figure it out. And that was, I think, one of the hardest parts besides the fact of just being so sick. I would also assume kind of from listening to this that then you're kind of in this limelight as this fitness professional and this epitome of a body and a peak performer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So from the outside, I would assume like you stepping into this health, overcoming your entire career and shifting your entire life um, is, is, is even really hard to navigate. Absolutely. It's, it still is at Rinda, it's four years um, since everything happened. And I feel like now I'm finally getting to a place to where I don't battle with any of that anymore. I just have finally come to terms with everything. And um, it was like maybe a couple years ago where I finally said, okay, that, you know, that part is done. It's time to move on. Um, It was just kind of hard to let go. And I tried to like stay in it as long as I possibly could. But um, you just try to navigate as best as you can. And I think emotionally it was really hard because that was all that I ever knew. Mm -hmm. Um, So. And like you said, it not being your decision, your plan. And it just kind of like shell shock all at once on you is a lot to process. It was. It was. And it was, you know, it's this oh my gosh, something's wrong with me terribly and nobody can figure it out. So you have this like, you know, scare of like, what's going on with me, my health? Am I, you know, is something wrong? Are they not able to find what it is to then like now my whole life has literally stopped and dedicated to uh, figuring out what's going on with me and working on my health. And not that like in fitness you don't, but in the sport that I did, a lot of people mistake that because we look um, extremely fit, that we're extremely healthy. And it's quite the contrary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the opposite when you're competing. Your internal health is not as good as the external um, physique. And, and so that even more on women, because I feel like, yeah, you know, I work with lifestyle fitness women. So women that are very much more beginners or lifestyle, no one is really aspiring to compete. But then once I do have some clients, once they start reaching that feeling of getting in shape and feeling good and looking good, they maybe kind of start to think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be a great spot for you to kind of elaborate on, you know, from the outsider world viewing yeah. in, I would assume it's very, very different on the inside mm-hmm. of where you were versus what is assumed. Yeah, I think um, I think the sport is a little misleading and not, not necessarily that that's the sport's fault as much as it just is the um, naiveness of the outsider, right? Like mm-hmm. you just don't really know until you get in it. I sure didn't. And then even after doing it, after so many years, you start to kind of go, oh, um, this is a bit extreme. Um, I don't know that this would be, you know, good to do for any amount of time. Um, I think it's important from the outside looking in that if you want to do something like that, um, you need to know that it would be primarily like a bucket list or like a cool goal for you to do. Um, but to try to do something so extreme for so long, 
Um, it's, it's not a health competition. It's a looks competition. And so it's not sustainable. Um, and I think it's cool if you want to do it um, and try it out and use it as a bucket list and just kind of like, um, I mean, it, it's also taught me so many amazing things about myself. It's taught me beyond motivation and discipline. I mean, it is just max motivation and discipline to do that. Um, but it's taught me strength about myself and um, uh, organization and preparation. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've taken from competing and established in my outside everyday life that can be helpful for you, you know. Um, but I, I think that it's, it's misleading to look at somebody that is extremely fit and to assume that they are extremely healthy. I think that is such a great way of putting it. Cause anytime that this kind of get, gets brought up on the podcast, you know, Tracy even kind of trained to be only a few weeks out, um, to yeah. be ready like that for like a year or two. And so I had her on and I, in April, our dietitian, she's a, a competitor. And so I never, ever want to seem like we're putting shade to that world because of the work ethic and the discipline and everything like you're saying that it takes that is to be commended. But just that I think so many people do correlate it to this look on the, on the competition versus, you know, the entire journey. Yeah, because what they don't see, all they're seeing is the glitz and glam on that day usually, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, <laughs> let me tell you, not all that glitzy and glammy when you get up close and this, <laughs> everybody's sweating and the tans are <laughs> melting off and you can't wear deodorant because the tan's going to turn green. It's like, <laughs> it only looks glitzy and glammy from far away. And then you get up and it's kind of a mess. Um, but everybody just kind of looks, oh my gosh, look how incredible they look. Their muscles, their conditioning, um, their hair, their makeup, the tan, the suits, it's all just glamorous. And it is. Is, but they don't see the like literal blood, so sweat and tears for the like 12 to 15 weeks prior that everybody's doing in the gym. And this sport isn't just, okay, you do it for a couple hours and then you go home. This is a 24 seven sport until you get up on that stage. I mean, packing your meals, preparing your meals, missing out on family gatherings, um, your sleep. So, yeah, your sleep, your um, the amount of time that you put in the gym. I mean, most people when they're preparing for a show are in the gym no less than two hours. I mean, you're talking hour, hour and a half for your weightlifting and then whatever cardio you do. Um, and then some people have two a days where they had to do fasted cardio and then cardio post-workout. Like it's it's a full-time job if you're going to do it. And so if you commit to it, it's going to be all or nothing. Um, and that's the not so glamorous part. And then not to mention the extreme that you do have to go does take a toll on the body. And especially as females, women, our hormones, we're not meant like God didn't make us to be extremely lean and like fighting for our life. He made our men like that. Yes. <laughs> You know, like the, he made our men, you know, back. I just always think to every situation that I ever think of is like our primal days, like our primal instincts. And like when you go back to like caveman days, <laughs> the men went out 
for weeks on end to kill the mammoth or whatever it was <laughs> to bring it back home to us for us to cook. And while they were out, we were in the backyard picking berries and taking care of the kids. Right. And like right. that's literally you you can't erase history. That's the way it was. And that's just in our DNA. And so when you go against that, it can eventually start to cause some issues for sure. And as women, we're just not supposed to be to that extreme low body fat for any amount of time. You know, I mean, if you want to do that's why I say if you want to do a show, say, hey, yay, I did it. But to live in that state, it, it's it's impossible. It's detrimental. Yes. Yes. I remember I power fit was only a couple months old and I had a trainer at that time that I was like, you know, again, you kind of had that curiosity from the outside and like, okay, well I'm like at my prime now. So maybe I can. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was very transparent with me of like, I don't know if you're wanting to have kids or not. And what really wasn't in our, um, we, we weren't planning to have kids then, but I actually ended up pregnant within that next year. Um, And so it all worked out perfectly that he was just like, I need to be very transparent with you that if you want to step onto this side as a woman, especially a woman who may or may not be kind of nearing childbirth, you know, hormones and just like, kind of like you're saying, it is very different for a woman than a man. Mm -hmm. It is. It, it, It definitely is. There's a lot of factors. And I would also say to that is that every individual is going to be completely different because there are some women that can handle it. And some women, you know, like what you were saying about what Tracy went for a couple weeks out and then her body started to kind of freak out, you know, it's just, everybody's body is going to handle things differently. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can never really tell like what one individual's person is going to respond like, you know, it's just kind of, everybody's going to be different, but especially a female for sure gosh, and I hear that and I'm like, what if there's someone that is so dead set on this bucket list doing this thing, but their body Mm -hmm. is one of those that just doesn't handle Mm -hmm. it well, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you're mentally, you're wanting to do this and maybe you're not understanding that it's, it's not you lacking in terms of mental or discipline or or want to, but Mm -hmm. handling what your body's allowing or not allowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think, You know, something that I did learn in my health journey was that it's, you could never be too informed on how your body is doing, right? Like Uh we just walk around every day going, oh, I feel pretty good. I think I'm all right until you're not, you know? And so it's like, for me, if there was, you know, even if there is somebody that wants to do it as a bucket list or doesn't at all, I am a very big advocate on checking up on your health, go to your doctor's appointments, pull your blood work, check your hormones, get your micronutrients done. I think that's one of the biggest things in just in life in general, whether you're on a fitness journey an extreme fitness journey, or you are sedentary. I think one of the biggest things is that our micronutrients and vitamins and minerals are just so deficient. We're so deficient in all the just most important things, the vital important (laughs) things that keep us going. And so I think checking up on all of that stuff, no matter what, but especially if you're going to aspire to do something so extreme, you need to make sure you are good from the inside before you work on the outside. 
I love that perspective. I just posted something this morning about if you want your dream body, work on the internal version of you first because it's really a reflection, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Say, say that we have a listener that's like, doesn't even know of my, like, what are these micronutrients she speaks of or where do I go get said micronutrients tested? What does that look like? You know, put yourself in the shoes of someone who this is like very not normal lingo for them. Mm -hmm. Break that down a little bit more. Yeah. So micronutrients are like all your, like what I was saying a second ago, your vitamins and, um, you know, you have your macronutrients, which are your like basic complex carbs and meats and proteins and um, veggies and stuff. And so your micronutrients are like all the smaller things that nobody ever worries about, right? Like your joints and minerals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like your joints and ligaments. Nobody ever worries about those. They're just worried about the big muscles. So your big Mm -hmm. muscles are your macros and your joints and ligaments are your uh, micronutrients. Um, So Yes, exactly. Your vitamins, your minerals, your nutrients, um, all those uh, important little things, um, which we are highly deficient in. I was extremely deficient and I'm still working on that to this day. Um, But we actually found out for me, I wasn't um, absorbing my nutrients. Um, We'll get into that another day, but you can do all sorts of tests. I've done everything from a specific micronutrient testing. I go to a lot of functional medicine doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the switch when I had my health journey and I was going to uh, red- re- regular medical doctors and I couldn't get anybody to find the root cause of what was going on. They were just kind of doing the basic little like, this is what was in my textbook. This is what I'm doing. Overall, you're a healthy person. They look at me, they say I'm fit and send me on my way. So bounce around. I feel like it's just like a bounce around. uh, Literally. (laughs) Well, you should go see this specialist. Well, then that specialist told me to go to this specialist and that one. And it was just like, okay, I want somebody who's going to dig not just run the basic panel. Like mm-hmm. clearly there's something else going on here besides the basic panel. <laughs> um, so I started going to functional medicine doctors, um, but you could go to your regular primary care doctor and ask for a micronutrient test. Um, pretty much anybody has it, but I went to a functional medicine doctor. Um, also, I, I don't know what the specific one is called. Um, I forget, but I had one that, that, pulled every little thing. I've also ran a sensitivities test, um, to see what nutrients and, um, foods and stuff that you had a sensitivity to. So not allergic, but sensitive, which there's a difference Mm -hmm. in the reactions. Um, and then, uh, I think the other thing that would be important was, um, a Dutch test, which tests for your hormones. This is great knowledge for them to, to gather. Yeah. Um, And, and I think honestly, Randy, I don't know this for sure. Obviously I'm just talking from straight experience. Right. Um, so I, I hope that the, the viewers understand that too. I am not trained or, um, you know, knowledgeable in that world. I'm not a functional doctor. This is just from my hands-on experience, things that I have done that have helped me. As a patient. Yes. 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 Um, that have helped me just overall health. And when I 
I was battling with my health. Um, these were tests that were very informative and helped me find my root cause of a lot of things that were going on with me internally, that it's not always just a simple blood work panel. Those are important for bigger, like, you know, problems, but sometimes you have to dig deeper. And so micronutrient tests, uh, for your, um, vitamins and, uh, nutrients, a, uh, food sensitivities test and a Dutch test for your hormones. I also just think in today's world and, and being your own biggest advocate, cause like you're saying, you can't just always, or getting a second opinion or not just taking what one doctor says, but really advocating for yourself that if they're saying nothing's wrong and you know, there's something wrong, you know, keep on digging and searching is, is huge as, as well as I do believe the future of medicine is functional and holistic. Really. I, I believe in that myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you are absolutely right on, you have to be your own advocate because I quickly learned that with my health journey when, you know, doctors are just saying, you're fine, you're fine, you're healthy, you're young. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) I am I am a healthy, fit person and I am young and there's something really wrong. (laughs) So um, I never gave up on myself and I and I fought my battle. Sometimes it felt like on my own, Um, but it was because of me. Um, never giving up and determined to keep moving forward and on to the next person, like you were saying, getting a second, fourth, fifth, tenth opinion, switching doctors, going to somebody else and doing my own research that I was able to, you know, get myself back up to life. (laughs) So if this started back in 2018, and maybe we Mm -hmm. have some listeners who are kind of struggling with a, you know, different but similar situation, can you kind of break down when you were could tell you weren't healthy or you weren't feeling well. Um, What did that start like? And how did you kind of start to navigate to find out what was wrong? Past like these tests that we've talked about. Yeah. So um, it was in January of 2018 and I just could kind of tell I just didn't feel good. I just wasn't um, as energized. Um, I was having some weird, uh, just body, like things going on with my body. My cognitive was off. Um, like I just ha- was having weird, like uh, a weird time with memory. Um, oh, wow. And my, uh, vi- I was having visual disturbances that was like having kind of blurred vision. Um, and like one night I was driving home, I had to pull over on the side of the road because I was having um, light sensitivity. And I was extremely tired. I was so tired. Well, that kind of went away. And of course, naturally, we're like, oh, well, I'm good. Must have just <laughs> must have just been a little funk in the air, you know? Dramatic. Like, of course, <laughs> right. So I'm like, all right, I'm good. Well, February rolls around. I go and stay in San Diego with my coach at the time. Um, a, my best friend and my husband, we went out there to stay with him and train and just hang out. And I was sleeping like, I mean, I'm talking 12 to 14 hours a day, like in total, like I was sleeping late and then I'd have to go take a nap. Um, the same kind of thing was going on. I was so tired. I kind of had the weird cognitive going on. Like I just kind of describe it as like, I felt like I was walking around everywhere with my head in a fishbowl. 
Like mm-hmm. everything was just kind of blurry and like echoey. I was there and I was like listening, but it was just weird. Well, I got home and I said, okay, maybe I need to go get adjusted. I'm having like head, like visual disturbances. I went and got adjusted and then, you know, uh, crap hit the, the fan. I got home the next day and just all sorts of, it was just like something had ignited in my body from getting uh, adjusted. And I had the most bizarre, craziest of symptoms. I'm talking everything from head to toe. I had the weirdest stuff. Now I have a, a list of like 50 plus symptoms. Wow. And it, yeah, I mean, and then so much as to one night, my left side of my body went numb. So we were concerned and worried that I was having a stroke mm-hmm. or a heart attack. Um, and it's crazy because I was 30. Yeah. <laughs> so four years ago, I was 30 years old. And it's like, how am I having a stroke or a heart attack at 30 being healthy and fit? And, you know, it's just nothing made sense, but, um, you know, obviously this is an emergency. We're freaking out. I lose numbness on the left side. It moves over to the right side. My face went numb. Um, I mean, I'm talking crazy stuff. My fingernails started falling off. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very autoimmune. Like my, my system was just like attacking itself. My hair was falling out in chunks. I was having ringing in my ears. I was having, my bodies were having tremors. My husband would wake up in the middle of the night and because my body was shaking. I mean, it was just, my body went on like sensory downfall. Just everything was falling apart. How was your balance? Did you ever have problems with that? My balance? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, that was a part of that whole cognitive, like, I would stand up and just kind of fall over. Or, um, Greg would be talking to me. Greg is my husband for uh-huh. the listeners. Um, you know, Greg's looking at me. We're having a conversation. And then all of a sudden, I just kind of, I'm just stiff and not blinking, not looking, like just staring at him, but looking through him. And he's like you know, what's going on? And I just would space out. I mean, it was, I, it was so weird and bizarre. Um, and so obviously my first, uh, response is, okay, we need to go to the doctor, figure out what's wrong. They pull all kinds of blood work. Um, I tested for everything, Randa. Oh my gosh. My poor little veins were pricked and prod. Like, oh my gosh, just test after test. I tested for everything. I'm talking, I pulled everything under the sun. And if the doctor was like, oh, well, what about, you know, I I think, I think that maybe you're just stressed or whatever. I'm like, what else is there? I'd go home, do research. I'd come back to the doctor's office. I say, I want my blood pulled for this, this, and this. I mean, I would just make suggestions. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, regular blood panel, autoimmune, Lyme, I tested for every STD under the sun. Oh, my Um, gosh. Yeah. Not that I thought that I did, but it's like, like, pull it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Pull it. I want you to literally pull everything under the sun, like cancer. Um, I had x-rays, MRIs done full of, uh, from brain down to the sacrum um mris i saw two neurologists um what else did i do yeah pulled the lime 
uh, everything negative, negative, negative. And how long did this go on for? Uh, months, like a few months. And then April came around and in this time that I'm testing for all of this, nobody can figure out what's wrong with me. Blood works fine. Doctors are saying I'm fine. Neurologists are fine. You know, at this point I'm like, I think I have some sort of brain tumor or brain crazy. Yeah. Like I just, well, and to be honest with you, I knew in my, I knew in my heart, I was not crazy because these symptoms were just, these symptoms were insanity and it was so horrible, but I just thought that it was something so crazy that the doctors were not going to be able to figure out some rare brain disease yeah, like or something, some, you some know, they haven't ever seen before. So they don't even know what to do or how to diagnose. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it seemed like. Cause that's what everybody was telling me. Well, at, during all of this, I'm obviously researching. I mean, that's what my full-time job came to be. Um, my husband, we opened up the gym and I got sick. So I couldn't help him open up the gym. My full-time job was what is going on with me. (laughs) So, um, anyways, I, I'd obviously been doing so much research and then I stumbled across a girl who was having the same kind of issues. So I looked into her Well, she removed her implants. And then I looked into, to that some more, I had been, you know, okay, at this point, what is going on? Nobody knows. I've ran all sorts of tests. I've seen all sorts of doctors. I've seen specialists. Nobody can figure out. Let me look into this a little more. I dug, I dug, I dug. I found girl after girl, symptom after symptom that were pretty much identical, if not the exact same. They were just a little bit off, or maybe she had something that I didn't or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I said, what have I got to lose? Exactly. Right. I have checked everything off my list. I've done everything that I can. It's been, you know, three months now. Nobody can figure out what the heck is going on with me. What have I got to lose? So I said, all right, well, I'm going to do it. I booked a consultation, went and saw a doctor. Fast forward, um, I ended up explanting. So I removed my breast implants and basically the rest is history. I am a healthy, happy person now to this day. Um, I, it took, it was by no means like the magic eraser button, but it was a distinct immediate difference and progressively got better with each day, week, month, and now year. And I'm four years, um, past that. And it, there's been a lot of groundwork. I had to do a lot of cleaning up internally, Um, obviously, like I was saying, there were, you know, a lot of things that were wrong. Um, but that was like the, the, the bread and butter of what my issue was. And then there was a cleanup process of damage that had been done. Um, and that's after the egg, after the implants came out, is that when the other stuff started to come to light and to make more sense to then do Mm -hmm. that cleanup? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Like my body wasn't, um, it was becoming, it was deficient in some areas, which I do also relate to that being from competing as well. But uh, what a lot of people don't understand is that when you have a foreign object, it's not just breast implants, it's knee replacements, it's shoulder replacements, it's hip replacement. When you have something in your body, your body goes in immediate fight or flight. And it starts to protect itself. And so 
it's using all of its everything that it has to protect you from this thing. So I've blamed the deficiencies on both the competing because you just are malnourished pretty much for any amount of time. And I also blame it on the fact that my body had been fighting. I had my breast implants for nine years. Um, so I think that my body just fought and fought and fought for as long as it could. And it just finally said, Hey, (laughs) this ain't working for us, sis. And you need to do something. Well, and something Um, that comes to light from this conversation with you is like you said, how every woman's body is different when they go to compete. And I would assume it's kind of the same thing as far as a foreign object in their body. Like not everyone's body takes it or doesn't take it the same. Absolutely. Yep. It's, it's true. It's true. You never know. And that's what I was saying. It's not just breast implants. I mean, you're talking anything in your body. Some people have to get a skin mesh graft to put in on, you know, something cause they tore their bicep right. or whatever. I mean, my husband has a Achilles tendon as a bicep because he ruptured his bicep. His body could have easily rejected that t- tendon because it's not his. Uh-huh. Um, it's just everybody's body is going to do something different. Um, but that was the, the nut, nuts and bolts of, of my health journey. Um, and what I did, I, you know, made sure that there was nothing going on, you know, that was going to be able to be fixed before I made an executive decision to go through a, uh, very extensive procedure and remove my implants. Like that wasn't my first, like, okay, well this must be it. This was no, let's do ABC XYZ one, two, three, before we start pulling on this. Absolutely. And then tell me, is the explant surgery recovery, you know, more intense than an implant, you know, surgery recovery? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And, um, it's, it's hard. It's really hard because when they, I mean, you can just remove your breast implants, but if you are having issues and you think that that is a problem, you're going to want to also remove the capsule. So that's why they say a total in block, uh, capsulectomy, and that's removing the capsule, the scar tissue that surrounds the implant with it. And that takes more time. Um, and also, too, if you do have implants like me that were under the muscle, um, you have to remove them from under the muscle, which is basically <laughs> opening up the, you know, chest walls and stuff. I unfortunately had a, a pec tear that I did not know about until my Ooh. doctor got in there. Yep. So my recovery was even longer because I had to have muscle repair. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, a, a rough surgery for sure. So another thing I think I'd really like to dive in on this would be like kind of the, not only the healing time, but the processing time, because I'm hearing all these things and I'm like, this is a woman who before was lifting and so active and, and so much on the go with, you know, building a gym and a business and being married, you know, and mm-hmm. then you have to not only just like sit and heal, Um, but what does, what does processing time look like in a situation like that, especially in this world that we live in that's so fast paced and instant gratification and post post new, new, and you're just like in a very, you know, I've heard like four years of processing time. 
Yeah, girl. This, this, I'm so glad that you asked this because I've honestly, um, you know, I've been on a ton of TV shows, podcasts, interviews um, since my journey, mm -hmm. and no one has asked me this question. Um, I've had I've with, had it scribbled up on the top of my little uh, um, notepad uh, since we started mm -hmm. talking. And for me, it's the most important question of the whole journey <laughs> because it's been, I think, people you know, being somebody who has followers and has been, you know, uh, in the light, if you will, having people watch, um, it, it's easy to just look from the outside and go, oh, she's so, she's so strong and, and positive. She's good. Um, but the past four years have been the absolute hardest years of my entire life. Mm. And, it was such a struggle, like with what you're saying of I'm going through life. I'm on a high. Everything is great. Boom. One day you're down, you're fighting for your life and you're what everything that you knew is no longer. Yep. And it can happen in literally the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. And for somebody like what you're saying, I am very type A, go, go. I'm driven. I'm ambitious. I just am always doing something to then, no, ma'am, you're sitting down and you are down, down. Like not sit down and then get up and do a little like you are literally bedridden for four months. And then you get a surgery to that degree where you're down for another two months. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard mentally physically obviously was very hard my body was just in all sorts of pain from the symptoms that I was having prior to then having the surgery um and then mentally it was hard to do nothing um and to just kind of know that I can't do anything and my focus has to shift to working on my health and living a healthy lifestyle and just like being able to get up and down the stairs on my own and not, you know, crawl or be able to walk around in the house, you know, um, I just had to shift my gears and that was the hardest thing that I ever had to do. Um, the mental side for having breast implants to not never affected me. There's a weird, weird feeling that you get. And I have talked to hundreds of girls at this point. And they all say the same thing, but there's something that's you take pride in when you say, okay, you know, I'm literally dropping the vein for health and you, you take pride in that. So for me, it was like, and especially when I had gone through so much of my health journey, it was like, I don't care if I come out looking like Frankenstein, like I just want my life back. Mm -hmm. I just want to live. I want to be healthy. I just want to be here. How you feel just matters so much more. I can imagine going through that. Like, I don't even care anymore. Just get me feeling good. Yeah, exactly. So that wasn't, a, a that wasn't the hard part. It was like you're saying the, like the being now. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what does like, if say there's a listener who's in a processing time, like what would you recommend as far as being still or in that processing time that helped you? Mm -hmm. So 
it, and, and it honestly wasn't like, I wish I would have learned this sooner. And I think that, you know, I think that I had to go through this, you know, when something happens to you at the beginning, naturally as human beings, we say, why, why, and why, why, me? why is this happening? Yeah. What did I do wrong? You know, but I think now, especially four years later and being in the mindset that I am now, I know why it had to happen to me. Um, and it is because like we were saying over text, like I'm an open book, I'm not afraid to talk and I can be a platform to speak to other women and hopefully be able to help them. And not just with, you know, I mean, we're talking overall health. I'm not just here preaching about breast implant illness. I'm talking mm -hmm. about anything that you're going through that is trying in your life, health issues, um, anything. I wish I had learned this sooner, but I, you know, I'm a believer. And so I think everybody needs Amen. something to believe in. Um, I rebuilt my relationship with God. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Oh, I wish I could give you a hug. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Um, Do not apologize. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. So I rebuilt my relationship with God and um, I just started doing more of what was good for Tana and my soul and my health and stopped worrying so much on the like big lofty goals you know I think here in America it's all about how uh how famous how rich and how successful can you be and of course we all want those things and those you can still want those things but that's not life mm -hmm. and we lose sight of that sometimes and I just would sit there and feel like I was getting so behind and I was losing um everything that I worked so hard for um, and so I think having something to believe in, whatever that is a higher power for you. Um, and I started journaling and I started going to therapy. Um, and Good I still to you. this day, yeah, I still to this day go to therapy. And I think it's so important to talk about things, you know, I mean, you've got girlfriends and you've got husbands and family members, but you need somebody with professional help and somebody out of the circle that can hey, really help uh -huh. you, yeah process things so I would say find something to believe in a higher power journaling a gratitude journal um doing more things that were good for your soul whether that's getting out uh, with nature in sun um putting the phone away and um going to therapy I think everybody should go to therapy. It's life maintenance <laughs> in my mind. It really is. Yeah. 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 So it takes a lot to be a human. I'm so honored that you're sharing all of this with us on this podcast. Um, Grant and I have been through a really hard two years. It has wrapped up in the past couple of months. And the reason why I asked this question is because I think sometimes even on social media, not only is it like we want people to share the real, like past the highlight reel, but I also think sometimes people have to understand that sometimes you're not ready to share yet because you haven't been through it. Like what Grant and I have went through in, in the last two years that kind of wrapped up a couple months ago, I'm like, we can't share about it yet for multiple reasons. And one of them is the processing time. Like I think it takes like that time of really reflection and and growing and learning before you can actually speak on it. 
you took the, I could not have said it better myself. I could not have said it any better. And honestly, if I can be um, 100, it, it gave me um, some peace to hear you say that because I've had so much pressure to talk more on my story because at the very beginning I did and I was very vocal and always on all my platforms talking about it updating constantly and then one day you know there were specific things that kind of happened and people just became way too invasive Mm -hmm. um that I said, I cannot do this. I need to heal mm-hmm. and I need time and I need to process this, you mm-hmm. know, like before I can help anybody else. And so mm-hmm. it's exactly what you said. I, I wholeheartedly believe in that. And I think everybody processes things differently. So if you are going through something hard, don't look at somebody and go, well, they got over it fast. They mm-hmm. were one month or they were one year. I'm going on four. And I still to this day, I'm like, you know, whoa, when's this thing going to be done? Mm-hmm. And you just, you can't force it. And I think that that's why my journey kind of kept going a little bit longer is because I kept trying to force myself to be healed and force myself to be done with it. And you just have to let it go when it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And I would assume like someone who's so goal oriented like you that had been, you know, so high performing for so long um, mm-hmm. and like hearing that you're type A, you know, that's so hard to just let go. Like it is oh. so hard. Oh gosh. But you know what? It was, it it was the hardest thing for me to get. And I, I do think God was like, okay, we're not going to get out of this until you learn this, you know, like Uh we're, you are just going to keep here. Yeah. (laughs) And he sure did. He sure did. And you know, it took me until honestly the past year, maybe two years for me to kind of go, okay, I think, I think I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna let go and whatever happens happens. And as soon as I did, there was so much peace and things just started to go <laughs> because I started to let go. Mm-hmm. Gosh, we are going to have to do a 2.0 version where I come to Dallas and we film together because there is like, we're not even scratching the surface. of Absolutely. Of yeah. I would love that. Um, I do have one question I want to ask. I want to try to keep us around the hour mark. So I do have one question I want to wrap up. But before I ask that, I don't even know if you know this. So you and I have a mutual friend that you went to high school with, I believe, or maybe knew after high school, Audra. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So Audra, I was thinking of this last night as I was getting ready to record with you. Audra was with me the night I blindly met Grant. Oh, my husband. How funny is that? That so is then so when I shared about your gym, she messaged me about you. I had already kind of learned about you from Tracy, who I had like such high respect for. So yes. you had to learn that we about Audra was really cool. Oh, yeah. Audra and I were best friends. I mean, really all of high school. She moved to my school freshman year and um, we instantly just, you know, connected and we're super close and we were both into horses and just everything. And we still talk to this day. We keep up with each other on yes. social media, but she is a doll. I love her. Um, yes, I she's been going her. and growing and traveling and, and I'm so proud yeah. of her, but yeah, I was like, I needed to make that connection with you today. 
I know that's so funny. Yeah. It's, it's funny how small of a world it really is, but then you kind of realize why you met someone, you know, like you were put in that same path for a reason. Absolutely. So yes, before I plan version 2.0 of this podcast with you, because I'm sure the listeners are like more, more, more. Yeah. I want to know what does optimal health mean and look like for you? Oh, it's changed and I think it will always change. But as of right now, for me, optimal health is your overall happiness, which is your mental health. So your mental health is first and foremost, you know, going to affect your physical health and vice versa. So, um, you know, everybody's just so worried about uh, taking proper nutrients and vitamins, but we got to work on our, our mental health too. So I would say your overall happiness and mental health and um, body functionality, right? Like, are you feeling good? Are you able to go out and go for a walk and um, get some exercise in because exercise equals endorphins, endorphins equals happiness. And then we're circling back around to that overall happiness and mental health. Absolutely. So if someone wants to kind of learn more about you, can you tell me like where they can find you on Instagram or kind of what your role is with your businesses right now? Um, what do you Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my husband and I own hidden gym. We're in the DFW area. We have three locations. We have one in Allen, Texas, one in Richardson, Texas, and we have a private location. So that one's not open to the public. I'm sorry, but it's in downtown Dallas. Um, so you can come and visit us anytime. We have a awesome facility. You can check us out, um, on Instagram at hidden underscore gym, G Y M. Um, and yes, it is a play on words because we are a little hidden gem. I love and that. Yes. And then um, you can absolutely find me on Instagram. It's Tana, T-A-W-N-A, Eubanks, E-U-B-A-N-K-S, and then McCoy, M-C-C-O-Y. And DM me, let me know that you found me from this podcast because um, I would love to connect with you. And, um, yeah, my husband and I were the owners of, uh, hidden gym. And then my main role in there is a uh, creative director, brand manager. So I'm all about the look and vibes and the atmosphere of what you get when you walk in through those doors, which that's something we've got to talk about on version 2.0 is just like the, the vibe and the energy of the gym atmosphere. I would love that. That's my, that's my thing. <laughs> that's what we're going to do for 2.0. Well, thank you so much, Tana. I cannot wait to chat again in the future and have you back. Thank you so much for just being so open and honest and vulnerable Um, on this episode. I expected nothing less and you went above and beyond. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored and I just feel so grateful to be a part. So thank you. And I really look forward to 2.0 and definitely in person, I think would be so awesome because I I agree. I know I was going (laughs) to say that way when we start crying, we can hug each other. I know. It just hit me. I was like, oh, God, here they come. (laughs) It comes, it comes. I also believe that's healing, too. Like, that's the reason why I love podcasting so much. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And for the listeners, if y'all love this, we would love for you to screenshot this, share us to your stories. That way we can spread this message to more people. And we would love any bit of feedback or review. We're always listening for ways to turn this into a better resource for each of you. So thank you for giving us your time and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye y'all.